This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going what's the driver of the Hills Racing 47 Night. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening of what is supposed to be a beautiful week. Spring lasted a week and a half. Summer will be here this weekend. It's going to be fantastic for racing, and we've got a full show to unpack. Special interviews, three great special uh, featured interviews coming up tonight as well. But before we get into all of that, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. How about Hendrick Motorsports on Sunday from the Monster Mile, Alex Bowman, led a Hendrick Motorsports sweep at Dover International Speedway. Bowman, of course, takes the checkered flag. Um, He beat out a dominating Kyle Larson, but Bowman wins. Larson in second, Elliott third, William Byron in fourth. Joey Logano, by the way, rounds out the top five at Dover. Now, how about this story from the Northeast? The Dirt Car Northeast Division has added another class this week. Four cylinders, that's right, four cylinders now have a dirt car sanction. The class joins big blocks, 358 modifieds, sportsman modifieds, and pro stocks. In the world of late model racing, Tanner English is $15,000 richer after a big win Saturday night during the spring showcase for the Mars Racing Series at Fairbury Speedway. And those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I had a great weekend. Back on the mic twice this weekend, Flat Rock and Toledo. Uh, great night, great racing both nights. Um, really had a good time. How was yours? Oh, man, it was a lot of fun. It was very tiring, a um, lot of travel, but a lot of fun to get back to work with the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, and we're going to talk a lot about that coming up next. Yep, Zach, and let's go ahead and start with some of the fun that I had this weekend. Uh, once again, it was a night of firsts at the Flat Rock Speedway. The Vault Enduro 250 was on tap along with Street Stocks and the Arca Figure 8s. Uh, and for the second week in a row, a couple of first-time winners in Street Stock action. Uh, Gary Cronenwet picked up the A-Main win, and uh, Taylor Papineau grabbed the checkers in the B-Main win. And in Figure 8 action, Dennis Wisman Jr. picked up his second win of 2021. Uh, two out of three nights going to Wisman Jr. Uh, and then in the vault, Enduro 250, Race Metapedigan uh, picked up the win in a tightly battled event for most of the 250 laps, uh, driving away near the end. And then on Sunday, Zach, it was over to Toledo Speedway uh, for their 2021 opener. Uh, an excellent crowd was on hand, and the school bus figure eight was the headliner with, like we talked about last week, Ken Schrader uh, taking his first shot at bus racing. Uh, the late model sportsmen and factory stocks were also in action, and the 2019 Silver Cup 
Series champion Greg Stillwell Jr. picked up the win in late model sportsman action, while Randy Paget Jr. picked up his second career win in the factory stocks. We'll talk to Greg in just a little bit and hear more about his big win. Uh, Dave Lambert picked up the win in the nothing but pure fun boat figure eight. Then we got things started. Uh, Ken Schrader would start at the tail, seeing this was his first ever bus race. They put him at the tail. Uh, within five laps, Zach, he drove to the front, took the lead. Uh, but that's when the actual racing ended. Uh, by the end of the event, one bus would get rolled over. Schrader would end up with serious front-end windshield and roof damage after an impact at the intersection, while most of the other bus buses would have moderate to severe damage. Uh, Jack Franzel would be declared the winner, but this was all about Schrader trying something he had never done, and I caught up with Kenny afterwards to rate his experience. You started at the tail, uh, drove drove to the front. Did you think it was going to be that easy, or did you think that's all it was? I got to the front, and I felt pretty good. When we got to flat on the front, I said, I know I'm in trouble. And I know Jack was on a mission. So uh, it was a riot. Uh, just hit that park bus a little hard. Got pushed into that park bus a little harder than I thought I was going to hit. And kind of, it was, it was exciting. I mean that is a lot of fun i just hope people enjoy it, it sounds like they do yeah you, you know you've never done this before and what you said it wasn't really on your bucket list but uh you, what are you going to tell everybody about this experience oh it was a, it was a ride i mean it was it was great uh i highly recommend it uh maybe a place absolutely no bigger than this <laughs> yeah you're talking about a very very small quarter mile here at toledo speedway but you know i think it's great we were talking to uh to, to herman a couple years ago on on our show and and he says he has so much fun now going to these short tracks and and spending time with the grassroots racers um kind of the same thing with you as well oh yeah most definitely i mean we've been doing it forever we were doing it the whole time we were cup racing but now we just get to do it a lot more and uh i mean this is this is what our sport automobile racing in this country is all about it started out all these places you know and the other places just what it grew to and then you know that's that's only one or two of them a weekend this is this is what's this is where it's still at well i'm sure that you showed the fans a great time they all loved you for being here and i'm sure anytime you want to come back to toledo speedway and do this again you're more than welcome oh thanks for having us zach so uh ken had a fun time uh you know had a great time talking with everybody back in the pit area it was great to have just a couple minutes to talk to him on his way out uh so tell me about your weekend oh man what a busy weekend it included getting home at 4 and 2 a.m respectively but it was a good weekend nonetheless logan nickerson and david melke led the all-star performance late model challenge series field to the first green flag of the season ahead of 40 rotations around the black and slick Tri-City Motor Speedway. Nickerson was able to stave off the competition through the first 10 laps, but it wasn't long until he was tracked down by that iconic number 27. Eric Spangler, coming from his fourth starting spot, rolled the middle to lower groove of the racetrack to displace the cars, committed exclusively to the bottom, and by lap 10, Spangler had taken over the lead, and unknowingly to the rest of the field, the race was over. Nickerson remained patient on the bottom of the track, holding off a variety of attacks from Melky, Travis Stemler, Brandon Thurlby, and others, and drivers attempted to find speed off the bottom, but struggled to get the momentum needed to compete with the grip on the top. It appeared, to, uh, it appeared the race, rather, would go 40 green flag laps, but that came to a halt with just three to go when Greg Gokey spun in turns one and two, 
erasing Spangler's half-a-track lead. Now the restart was a non-issue for Spangler, who picked up right where he left off on the bottom, racing away to his second Friday night win in a row. Nickerson held on for second. Stemler snuck onto the podium at the stripe. David Melke and Dona Marcouillier rounded out the top five. And how about Joey Birch making his super late model debut Friday night was the big mover, coming from 24th to finish 12th. Thanks to that performance, we'll get a chance to talk with Joey coming up here uh, later on in the show. Now, night number two of the weekend for the Challenge Series took drivers to Merritt Speedway. Changes to the track in the offseason included reduced and evenly spread banking and a new surface, which proved to be a challenge in all divisions. During heat race action, the track was one lane around the inside tractor tires with the only passes of the night seemingly coming during restarts. In an attempt to widen the racetrack, officials moved the tractor tires out prior to the feature races, which appeared to help the passing efforts. Now, Steve Hilliker, Mike Vandermark Jr. lead the field to the green, and it was Vandermark who got the jump. Trouble found the racetrack early, though, when ninth starting Cody Bauer and 12th starting Chad Finley tangled on the exit of turn two. Bauer comes off the bottom of the speedway, giving Finley a hip check before Finley spins on the backstretch. Now, track officials ruled that Bauer was to blame for the caution, sending him to the tail and giving Finley his position back. On the restart, Chaos breaks out on the front straightaway. Jeep Van Warmer and Friday night winner Eric Spangler make contact. Van Warmer appears to push high off of four on the restart, sending Spangler off the front stretch and into the guardrail. The field scattered with other contact being made throughout. The incident marked the end of the night for Clay Wenslick, Logan Love, Bauer, and Spangler. And then Van Warmer would pull to the infield during the next restart. Spangler was eventually disqualified, by the way, for on-track retaliation before going to the pits. That pretty much erases all the efforts that he made Friday night toward the championship, so we'll see how that all shakes out over the next few weeks. Now, on the next restart, Vandermark went back to the bottom to defend the prime real estate while Finley marched on in the middle. Then on lap 14, Finley had nosed ahead of Vandermark for the first official lead change of the race following another restart, and the rest is history. Finley survived one final restart with just five laps to go, which allowed Marcoulier to get around Vandermark for third, a, I should say around Vandermark for second. He was no challenge for Finley, though, who picked up the win in runaway fashion. Finley was the hard charger of the race, gaining 11 spots over the course of the night. Behind Marcoulier and Vandermark, it was Hilliker and Greg Goki who rounded out the top five. Now check this out. Other movers on the night included David Melke, who gained 10 total positions. Behind him, uh, by the way, Melke going from 16th to 6th. Behind him, it was Logan Nickerson, who finished 7th. After starting 14th, that obviously, quick math says, he gained seven positions. So what a busy weekend of racing between Tri-City and Merritt Speedway. Yeah, Zach, and I know, as always, you had the chance to catch up with the podium finishers uh, following the event. And let's hear how Mike Vandermark Jr. felt about his run. Third place finish here tonight for Mike Vandermark Jr. And, uh, you know, you start on the outside front row, yep. lead a couple of laps. Finley gets around you on a restart. What, what was the difference there? Uh, he was just really good. I was quite surprised he could roll the top that good. Uh, the track seemed pretty bottom dominant, but he was able to make that outside work. And uh, I think we led maybe the first, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 laps, and uh, which was great for us. I mean, our our goal was a top 10, and you know, came hold third. That's that's really good. We're proud of that. Dona gets around you again on another restart. Do you, yeah. do you think you had anything to get back around him at some point, or was that uh, just kind of the way it was? No, we kind of we kind of started falling off a little bit, maybe the last 10 laps or so. Uh, we are pretty good maybe the first, you know, 25, 30 laps, and 
I can feel the car kind of slowly getting away, getting away a little bit more, but um, yeah, we're definitely happy with third, that's for sure. Third place finish. Now, Challenge Series has a couple of weeks till we're back in action with this uh, Memorial Day weekend. So what do you have coming up this weekend? Um, actually, we don't know yet. We kind of go week to week. Um, we're pretty busy right now with my son in baseball. You know, he's got three games a week, so we kind of pick and choose what what suits us good for the weekend. But uh, we actually might only race one night next week, at least with the late model anyway. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Mike Vandermark Jr. brings it home third tonight at Merritt Speedway. And, Zach, it was more of a somber tone from your second-place finisher. And, and you were able to track down Dona Marcoulier and debrief things with him. Spot tonight at Merritt Speedway for Dona Marcoulier. Dona, take me through your race, man. It looked like you were coming on late. Do you think you'd have had anything for Finley if you got the chance? I mean, it's a, it was, I would say it's a clean air deal. I mean, our car wasn't perfect. It was still too free, but uh, I mean, to come on second, it's a good points tonight for this whole challenge deal and a good payday. So I mean, we'll take second, we'll go for there and uh, put some new tires on and go next week. They kind of changed what they did with the racetrack. They moved the tires out right before your feature. Yeah. Do you think that that was the answer? I mean, it helped it, but it's, uh, it's like anything. It's a learning curve. I mean, I hope they get it. Um, I mean, it, it went from being on the bottom. The, the, I mean, it got a little racy, and I mean, it's it's a work in progress. I mean, it's getting better every week, so I mean, I can't complain about that. So, I mean, I'm just happy that we got our, uh, you know, our Black Diamond, Matt Ryan Power, Jimmy's Collision, uh, Patrick Plumbing, Matt Ryan, or, uh, Dennis Craft Construction. I mean, we got some great sponsors, uh, Jerry Maselski, McBain Body Shop. I mean, everybody helps me out. My crew. I mean. I mean, it wouldn't be for those guys. I mean, they're, they're my heart and soul. So, I mean, I just want to thank everybody that helps me on a race car, my, my fiance, and uh, we'll try again next week. That last restart gave you the chance to get around Mike Vandermark Jr. I mean, were you expecting to be able to pass like you were able to? Or Yeah, the, the top was, you could momentum the top on a restart type of deal to get the guy in the bottom because you, you, you would, how the racetrack is, you could get one, maybe two laps in the middle. And then by, by then it would just get so dirty, you're back on the bottom again. But, uh, I mean, hopefully they get married to get three, lane, three lanes racing. And, uh, I mean, like I said, it's a work in progress. And, hey, we're racing, I guess. I mean, it's uh, better than nothing. So. Donovan Marcolier brings it home second place tonight at Merritt Speedway. Thanks. And, of course, we'll catch up with uh, your winner, Chad Finley, just a little bit later on in the program. So, Zach, uh, after the first weekend of the All-Star Performance Late Motor Challenge Series, your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, two different winners, which is great off of the top. I think anybody can say that if we have two different winners across two races and two tracks. But I will say this. I am a little, just a little, Mike Blackmere, because I know you're listening. Justin Sharp, because I know you're listening. Just a little concerned about the two racetracks that were presented to us. Both racetracks were bottom dominant. Um, the guys who won managed to figure out how to use that next half of a groove, which caps off to them. That's what you've got to do to win races is be able to be where others aren't. But they weren't the racetracks that we were used to, Rich. We didn't see guys able to rip the lip and able to roll the bottom and make up positions. Now, as Dona said, and, and I think Dona would be the first to admit, he was very frustrated after the heat races, but you could hear him kind of say, you know, admittedly, they did make an improvement there before the feature, but was the all that improvement moving the tractor tires out and forcing them to run higher? We'll never know because that was what they decided to do. So in closing, 
on paper, Rich, this looked like a good race. You had you had two guys both nights improved twelve positions and then ten positions and eight positions, and you had guys moving. But from the infield, it didn't feel like there was movement. So it was interesting. You know, like I say, on paper, it looked like it should have been a really, really good race. In person, it looked like a very methodical and uh, it looked like a pavement race. And that's no knock on pavement racing, but there's a clear difference between dirt late model racing and pavement late model racing. And this looked like pavement late model racing. What do you think uh, first we- after the first weekend, you look at the, you know, look at the scoreboard and you... In the winner's column, you don't see a Marcoulier, you don't see a Stemmler, you don't see a Thurlby, you don't see a Schlenk. What's that say for the rest of the season? Um, I think it, the field is wide open. That's my opinion. Well, here's the thing. Remember, Eric Spengler got disqualified for retaliation against uh, Vandermark there on Saturday night. So that almost takes him right out of it. Now, maybe you get one bad week in this deal. But again, we're talking about 10 races. Uh, so I don't know. You're going to have to hope that everybody else has a bad week. Donna Marcoulier not in the win column doesn't concern me at all. That's two top five finishes back-to-back for Dona Marcoulier and a couple of good qualifying efforts to go along with it. Rusty Schlank, you know what? He complained about the format. Uh, he posted on Domination Race Cars about the killed by invert, I believe was the phrasing he was using. Look, Mike didn't make it a secret that he changed the format and went to the old American ethanol format. And guess what? That's exactly what they do. They invert based on qualifying, and bottom line, his car wasn't hooked up in the heat race, and so it marred him in the back of the feature, and, and it was a hard track to pass on unless your name was Joey Birch and unless your name was Chad Finley on Saturday night. So, you know, uh, frustrations, sure. Uh, is is Schlenk going to win the championship? Nope. Is he going to show up probably throughout the summer and try to win some big races? Probably. Way too early predictions. I think Travis Stemmler, he had a bad night on Saturday. He had a top five finish on Friday. He's going to be in the same boat as Eric Spangler, and just going to have to hope that some other guys have a bad night. I think right now, Rich, Dona Marcoulier is in the catbird seat. Sure, he didn't go to victory lane, but he had two of the best and most consistent finishes of the weekend. So I think you got to watch that uh, that 6M machine now as we go into Memorial Day. Yep. And let's admittedly, we're two races into a 10-race deal. So sure. uh, it is very, very early in this, but it always pays to get off to a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, we're going to talk to Chad Finley later on. He was very fired up Saturday night, and uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say keep an eye on that 42 auto value car as well. Well, Zach, let's go back to the pavement for just a little bit. Uh, after losing a motor in practice uh, and replacing said engine uh, with no laps on the motor, qualifying ninth, starting on the pole thanks to an inversion of nine and waiting out an hour and 15-minute rain delay. That seems like a busy day for anybody. Oh, my gosh. Um, what, a, what a day. Jeff Gannis would emerge from the 2021 Mod Wars at Kalamazoo Speedway, $5,000 richer on Saturday night. The Constantine, Michigan standout uh, in his number five Whitman's Auto Sales Burkett Nestor race card machine held off a late charge from David McManus to lead all 75 laps and also guarantee the 39-year-old driver a spot in the prestigious Hot Shoe 100, August 6th and 7th, with his first career Tally Farms uh, Incorporated Midwest Modifieds Tour victory. Uh, McManus finished a strong second ahead of Cross Rifles Training Fast Qualifier Walt Abrinsky Jr., while Matt Moore and two-time defending MMT champion Kyle Purvis completed the top five. Three-time CRA Super Series champion Scott Hance pocketed $1,100 after taking the lead from Jordan Lakota with 17 laps to go to win the B feature. 
All right, now some other racing from around the area. Let's go to the narrow confines of Anderson Speedway. For the second time in 2021, Reveal the Hammer, the Outlaw Super Late Model Series, brought the Wedge Nose Warriors in action. This time it was at Anderson Speedway, home of the Little 500. Off the initial green flag, it was Sean Amore setting the early pace, checking out to a decent-sized lead as the top two qualifiers, father and son, J.R. and Tyler Rorig, both began working their way through the field methodically, the quarter-mile Anderson, very narrow as we know, especially when you put Outlaw Super Late Models on there. And because of that, lap cars congested the track significantly for the leader of Amore. And eventually, that allowed Tyler Rorig up to the second spot, and he caught Amore in lap traffic. So Rorig gets his nose to the inside of Amore, and Amore hooked his bumper with the lap car of Rick Hahn Jr. Those two cars careen into the wall in turn one. And with no time to react, J.R. Rorig, nowhere to go, into the pile as well. He actually, Rich, ramped over the top of those two cars. It was a dramatic scene for a couple of seconds. Looked like he could have went upside down, managed to land back on all fours, but all three cars would be retired from the event. So the race restarts, 55 laps of the 100 distance complete. I should say 55 laps remain. And Tyler Rorig, a regular competitor in the Little 500, dedicated out front, and his two top challengers out of the race at this point. So Rorick goes on to claim the victory over Steve Needles in the end. Brand Ross was third over Andrew. Uh, I always have trouble with Andrew's last name. you you got to help me out here, Rich. DeVries. Thank you. And Adam Terry, J.R. Rorick set the mark in qualifying, by the way, with a 12-194. He, uh, of course, uh, wrecked out of that race. So uh, a tough break there for J.R. But another win for, uh, for that Plymouth, Indiana native and uh, was it really any surprise that he got it done at Anderson? I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either, and it probably turned out the way most thought it would. But a good run for Steve Needles, who'd never been there. We talked to him last week. Uh, second place finish, you can't complain about that. Not at all. Hey, what else is going on, man? Uh, we both missed a really exciting Friday night down at uh, I-96. Yeah, for the first time in his career, Indianapolis, Indiana's Tyler Courtney is a flow racing all-star circuit of champions presented by Mobile One main event winner doing so uh, in big money fashion during I-96 Speedway's uh, Mace Thomas Classic on Friday. Sunshine, who started uh, sixth on the main event grid before officially climbing his way into the all-star record books, earned $8,500 for his efforts, uh, eventually holding off a pair of all-star championship contenders in Ian Madsen and Justin Peck, uh, not taking command until just before the midpoint of the 30-lap contest. Courtney put himself within striking distance early, ultimately utilizing a stacked field uh, after a caution on lap five to see to sneak by CJB Motorsports' Paul McMahon for third. At the time, Ian Madsen held down the top spot, followed by Corey Eliason. Unfortunately for Eliason, caution flags waved on his behalf on lap 13, forced to go pit side with a disintegrated right rear tire. Eliasson's misfortune allowed Courtney to inherit the second position. The ensuing restart gave Courtney an opportunity to make a bid for the lead using the very top groove at the exit of turn four to squeeze by Ian Madsen. And on lap, on lap 14, from that point forward, it was all Tyler Courtney at the front of the field, surviving three more cautions and a short run, run in with traffic before crossing under the final checkers by a margin, Zach. 
uh, victory equaling 2.48 seconds. You know, this was another event where uh, the locals kind of struggled here, okay? We're talking Tyler Courtney wins, Ian Manson second, Justin Peck third, Paul McMahon fourth, Rico Abreu rounds out the top five. Then you go to seventh, local adjacent Bellevue, Ohio, Cap Henry, a friend of the program who we've had on. He finishes seventh. Ryan Rule comes home ninth. They, uh, The Smith Motorsports team was proud of that run. But after Ryan, man, oh, man. You got to kind of scroll down the page a little bit. 15th for Dustin Daggett. That's his home track. A tough run for him there. Several DNFs out of this one as well. Thomas Schindley, uh, 23rd with a DNF. And that's the end of the line. Dan McCarron, uh, GLSS regular. He rounds out the field at 24th. A lot of guys... Had to pack up and go home. Max Stambaugh just misses a transfer spot. He finished fifth in the B main in the last chance qualifier. And Quentin Blonde, he finished seventh in the last chance qualifier. Josh Turner, Zach Brofman, um, all in the last chance qualifier. So a tough night for local guys at I-96. But, hey, uh, that's what you get when you're running with the All-Star Circuit of Champions, and Max Stambaugh knows that as well as anybody. And we had talked about this, Zach, after after the Great Lakes Super Sprints uh, vers- with their battle with the Lucas Oil ASCS guys. Uh not great for poor performances there either. And, um, you know, you thought maybe they would come back and that was just a one-off thing. Obviously, it continued a little better. Uh, Ryan Rule, the star of the locals on this night. Yeah, and, re- and let's remember, too, for the novice fan, these are 410 sprint cars versus the 360s from a couple of weeks ago. And, and these guys are not off their game by any means. Max Stambaugh went to Butler on Saturday and picked up a feature win. So just really tough competition. Max is a former Rookie of the Year with the All-Stars, as we know. So um, I don't know. I, I think we got some really great drivers, but when the out-of-towners come to town, I think money kind of shows its face a little bit. <laughs> well, well, Zach, it's, uh, we're back again. It's, uh, it's May, and it's uh, time for another edition of Did You Know with Gary Lindahl. Gary, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Well, it's always a pleasure to be on with you guys, and uh, I understand that uh, first quiz was a little challenging. <laughs> Man, I think, we, what do we have, Rich? We had about two or three people give it a shot, and not everybody tried the whole thing? Yeah, and, and I think we had one or two people get one of them right, yeah. and that was about it. So um, we're going to give them another shot here, and this, you know what, when I looked at this one, Gary, I got to tell you, um, I knew one of them right off the top of really? my head. Yeah. That's see, I thought you would have known some, but uh, but uh, you, you see the question, then you see the answer, and he goes, oh, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah you, see you, the know? Answer, you see the answer, and then you go, oh, that's right. Now I remember. Now I remember. Yeah. But just, off the, just reading the question without trying to cheat myself, um, I would have only gotten one right cold turkey. <laughs> wow. I think I would have got... Well, that's what this is all about. uh, The quiz is always like that in the Mark Times. And I'm with you, Rich. I think I would have got one right, but I'm intrigued to see if we would have got the same question correct. So so let's get into it, Rich. What's what's our... uh, Or I guess I should say, let's get into it. Gary, what is our first question for the day? Okay, now this question is, and I would think this would be one of those questions where uh, people would kind of know what it is, but we'll find out. These two outstanding late model drivers were once figure eight teammates. That's question number one. Rich, was this the one that you thought you knew? Uh, no, that was not the one I thought I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but then I saw the answer, and I remember conversations coming back that I've heard that before. So uh, 
we'll see how the fans do this week. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gary. We'll and, I, and I encourage him to try it just to, for the heck of a try it. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, and and then uh, Gary, you raise a great point. Just take a crack at it uh, because you never know, you know. So so put it in the comments on our uh, show post, which will, should be up by Wednesday, give or take, and uh, let us know what you think the answer is. Gary, how about question two for this week? And question number two is, what does the MSPA stand for? That's the one that I thought I would have the answer to. <laughs> that's the one I knew I had the answer yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's for sure. Well, then people may have a shot at that one then. All right, how about the how about question number three? Now, this is a good one, so let, let's get in on this. It is, uh, and uh, this Hall of Fame driver once drove a sprint car called Old Yeller. I th- I think this is such a great question because uh, how many race car drivers in today's world do we know who have named their race cars? So, so this is an awesome era type of question. Yeah, it and, is and because it, there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of cars that were actually had names to them, you know. Now, Gary, just to, just to clarify for everybody, this is a Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, right? That, yeah, that is correct. I should have clarified that. Yes. He is a member of the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. All right, so okay. there, there's there's a little hint for you on question three. And I've heard a little heard. hint, and and, here, and here's another little hint. He's still racing. Oh, all right. Oh, all right. See, got, I, so you I, get a I, double I, dose there, and that wasn't fair, but you get a double dose on that one. Yeah, half of this, I I had heard of the name Old Yeller, but I could not place the name of who drove that car until I saw. So that would, I would have got a half a point for that one, probably. You would have got a half point, yep. <laughs> All right, fourth and final question for this week. Gary, hit us. And if you ever had the opportunity to see these, these were, these were outstanding. But it goes back a ways. This company was said to have the best ads ever in the Mark Times. And they did, and they were a riot. But, you know, you got to go back a little bit in the Mark Times. But they were funny, and... And a lot of people would know who the proprietor of this company was. All right, now if the, you do some digging, the Mark Times. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have got this one right. I, I'll admit right off the bat, I wouldn't have known this. one. And I'm going to tell you, the Mark Times was a little before Zach Heiser times. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm out on question number four. But Gary, uh, this is one of the great things about Did You Know is. You follow this, and you'll learn something about our sport. And I think uh, for those who missed our first show, Gary, that was kind of your whole idea when you started this so many years ago. Well, it certainly is. And, you know, Zach, uh, like you said, uh, the Mark Times was before your time for uh, the most times it went through. But, however, you are learning some things about uh, our sport in the Midwest now. Absolutely. So, Gary, we appreciate And once we came from. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and I love the fact, too, that Gary and I came from, from similar beginnings in the lower Michigan part. So, hopefully one day I can be as glorious as Gary Lindahl and have my own little segment somewhere. I don't hold that against either of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, we appreciate the Did You Know segment. And uh, you know what? We'll post these on our Facebook page, and we'll have answers during next Monday's show and we appreciate you as always. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure with you two guys. Rich, I'll see you next weekend. You got it, my friend. All right. Goodbye. Well, Zach, this gentleman is making his second appearance on the program. Last time we talked uh, modifieds and snowmobiles. Uh, This time, something a little bit different. Makes his home in Rosebush, Michigan. Joe Birch, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me on. Man, um, you've always had fun in the mod and on the ice, but this weekend you debuted your new late model and I don't know if I would have picked a challenge series event to do that, but uh, 
you actually had a pretty good weekend for a first time out. Talk about your weekend and how you think it went. Yeah, we had a real good weekend. Didn't get anything tore up or anything like that. Um, it was kind of a last minute decision. We tried to get in the car a little bit sooner than we actually got it. And it just happened to be the weekend of the challenge series when we got it. And the car owner, he's like, yeah, I really want to race this weekend. I'm like, well, guess one way to find out if the car's going to work well or not and go race against all the best guys in Michigan. All right. Well, Joe, you know, as Rich said, it was a good weekend for you, but, but Friday you had to work for it. And I think what a better way to learn your race car than to have to race it a lot. Take me through how Friday went for you from qualifying until the main event. Yeah. So we got the car actually on Tuesday. Um, fortunate enough, Mount Pleasant let me come out Thursday afternoon and spend a few laps since I hadn't even been in the car or drove it at all. Um, Friday night at Tri-City, first time driving on a decently tacky track so different driving style from what we had at Mount Pleasant with it being real dry slick so didn't know how far to push the car um started I think it was fifth or so in the heat race car was decent at the beginning um then all of a sudden it just kind of like started falling off on me and I thought maybe it was just me driving a new car and stuff come in after the heat race was going to grind the tires and one of the crew guys pulled the right rear tire off and he's like seems pretty low and i checked it and sure enough we had a hole somehow in the tire and right rear tire was going down on us so that's kind of why it faded off on us in the heat race but so we had to run the lcq started fifth i believe in that luckily i made my way up to fourth to make the final transfer spot to the a main um so Got a few laps in before that to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with the car. Now, now dead last. What was that? I was just going to say, now you gain one position and, and, you know, let's be honest, barely transfer in. It wasn't like it was one of those things where you come down at the line, but you get the final transfer spot into the show. And at this point, you and one other person had gained one position in that last chance qualifier. Were you concerned at all about your chances to move through the field in the feature? Yeah, it was a little bit there. The first half of the race, I was just really glad that we even made it into the A-Main. Um, but going into it, I was like, just what if, just stay out of trouble, learn the car, get some seat time for later on in the year. And I'm like, I'll just see how it goes. And slowly we started working our way forward. And I started learning to drive the car a little bit better and just kept making our way forward and just seemed like every couple laps was picking a car off here and there you know we talked to uh we talked to cody bauer last year and and he even said boy i mean it you can't just jump in these late models uh after after running something else and just expect not to miss a beat um it takes a while because these cars are just so different yeah yeah it does it's definitely a different driving style compared to the mod um the biggest thing difference is just how much more horsepower these cars have in comparison to the mod and having that good throttle control to keep from breaking the tires loose. Everybody thinks you can just jump in them and hold them to the floor and you go forward and it's far from that. You know, I thought one of the interesting things for you was that car control because during qualifying, it looked like it, you were still, as you mentioned, you only had you just got the car on Tuesday. So you were still trying to get a feel for it and get it underneath of you. Now, this feature race, though, at the end of the night, I mean, we went 37 green flag laps before we ever had our first chance to catch our breath, and you had been working your way through the field that entire time. 
When did you start to feel comfortable in that 16 car and start picking off people for position? Um, I'd have to say probably after about the halfway point, just before the halfway point, I started changed my driving style a little bit and felt a lot more comfortable on how far I could kind of push the car and stuff like that. And we got rolling pretty good there after the halfway point and just slowly made sure to keep my nose clean from around other people because obviously I didn't want to touch anybody and get anybody upset at me being my first time in the car and stuff. Yeah. That's what you need in the new division. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, like you said, that caution come out there towards the end and then we got rolling again and was trying to make up a couple more spots. I knew we were towards the end of the race and, coming out of two everybody kind of started rolling up a little bit i'm like what's going on i'm like i don't see a caution or anything and then i heard him come on the race see if the race is already over with i'm like man we're over with already and that's where it was nice being able to run the 40 laps in comparison to the mod of only running like 20 or 25 but coming from like you guys said the snowmobile background of enduro racing it seems like the more laps that i get under me the better i get well, you split the field in half, man. You you took that final transfer spot. You started shotgun on the field, two spots away from a top 10 in your first ever late model start. That is pretty respectable. And it sounds like, too, you think you could have had a car with a little more time to, to maybe get into that top 10. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm sure if we didn't have the issues that we had in the heat race where we didn't have to run the LCQ and maybe if we started a couple more spots up further in the future, I probably possibly could have got a top 10 but you can always say what ifs on if you're up there or not but i'm more than happy with the way the weekend went with it and and then you get then you get to saturday and you have a racetrack that everybody had discussions about let's say and then the feature they start wrecking race cars you have to be up you had to get up on the seat early in that event yeah yep um i know they're it was probably like five laps in or so. And I think uh, Cody and Chad kind of got together a little bit. And luckily enough, Cody's car stuck out enough with that fluorescent yellow. I saw him up there and kind of get a little messed up. I'm like, well, something's going to happen. So I kind of started checking up and it was a good thing I did because Chad ended up spinning out up there. And then there, I don't know if it was the next restart or whatever, when they all kind of wrecked on the front stretch, I kind of, Luckily saw that and luckily avoided a big wreck up there. Yeah, that was the part I was going to ask you about is, is uh, you know, you came, let me see here. I don't have your starting spot for Saturday right in front of me. Uh, I believe it was 19th. So, yeah. So the restart incident claimed a lot of cars around you uh, in that situation. How did you sneak your way through that? Fortunately enough, I think what helped me out a lot with that is on that restart, I was actually starting on the inside. And then I kind of saw a couple cars kind of checking up a little bit on the outside of me and must have just found a hole just enough to where I saw them really starting to pile up. So I just cut to the inside, hoping that nobody was going to come down in front of me and clip the right rear cord or anything like that. And just I think it was one of those things where I just got extremely lucky there. Now, we've heard this incident described a couple of different ways. Were you close enough to see what sparked that off? Uh, I mean, the latest thing and the most consistent thing we've heard is that uh, that Van Warmer clipped a tractor tire on the inside and sparked the whole thing off. I didn't see anything at all besides I was coming through and then everybody was kind of like 
checking up and going to the outside, and I didn't really know what caused it besides there was wrecking going on in front of me. Man, what a fun conversation we're having right now with Joe. And, and we're talking a lot about Late Model Challenge Series. And guess what? You can catch the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort during a jam-packed Memorial Day weekend special. Friday night, drivers return to Auburn, Michigan's Tri-City Motor Speedway to kick off the three-day weekend of racing. Then on Saturday, head over to Merritt for a two-day racing extravaganza with qualifying and preliminary races on Saturday and the big show on Sunday. You can find gate times, and more information at tricityracetrack.com or meritspeedwaymi.com. It's the Late Model Challenge Series, the best in Michigan late model racing. So you get your feet wet this weekend, uh, two Challenge Series events. You got two weeks before the next ones. Um, are, are you going to try and get some more seat time to get a little more comfortable in that car this coming weekend? Yeah, we're definitely going to try and race as much as we can with it this weekend. Probably, uh, We'll probably go back over to Tri-City Friday night and then back up to Merritt Saturday night just to, means those are the two main tracks that they're doing the Challenge Series with and just learn the car more and being able to read the track more on what the car likes versus what the track conditions are. And by the way, just to wrap up the weekend conversation, eight positions gained on Saturday night. So you are passing race cars in this machine and I have to ask, are you leaning on anybody for advice? I mean, what? I guess the first question before that one is, what are you running for a chassis, and, and who's helping you set this thing up? So the chassis is a 2021 XR1 Rocket. Um, we got it from Brian Roman, uh, Dave Jovich, car owner, also the same guy that owns the Modified that I run, too. He was talking there last year on wanting to get a late model, and then we saw how much Mike was paying for the challenge series this year. So that kind of convinced Dave to really push the issue of getting one. So we get, like I said, we got the car Tuesday from Brian. He got the chassis from rocket. He assembled it all at his shop down in Clark Lake, Michigan. He actually came up uh, Thursday with us to Mount Pleasant and helped me out a little bit on learning the car, driving the car and tuning on it. And they're uh, Friday night after the LCQ, I had a couple questions for him, and I was able to give him a call on his cell phone. He was down racing at I-96, and he taught, gave me a couple of suggestions on what to try, and obviously I worked, worked my way forward, so... Well, Joe, it was a lot of fun to watch you in that car, and, and you know, I guess the, the last question is, what sort of goals have you set for yourself now? You you make a change in division. You obviously had a lot of success in B-Modifieds. You've had a lot of success, as noted on our Facebook page earlier today, in snowmobile racing and vintage snowmobile racing, and we could do a whole other segment with you on that. What goals do you set as, as a fierce competitor as you are, but knowing that you're a rookie in this division? I don't really know right now. It's been kind of so fast paced of getting the car and everything like that. I guess goal for me this year is just learn as much as I can with the race car and each week slowly get better of working my way up and hopefully being able to finish in the top five here towards the end of the year. So what plans do you have? Are you going to try to run all of the challenge series races or are you just going to hit and miss? So what, what are you thinking about? Um, as of right now, I'm pretty sure we're going to try and uh, hit all the challenge series and then see kind of what Dave wants to do other than that. Maybe do some, depends on how it goes with racing around here and if we go anywhere else, but 
right now we're going to focus on the challenge series. And before we let you go, you know, uh, we, we, we like to do this for the drivers who head to victory lane, but I think a 12th and <laughs> I think a 12th place finish and that, uh, what'd you get here? 11th place finish right at merit. That's pretty good. Yep. That's pretty close to a win for a guy who's never drove one of these before. So who's on the side of that car and making it possible for you? Yeah. So I first and foremost, obviously like to thank Dave Yovich. Um, he's who pays for everything with the car and everything like that. Then um, his business is Fireite. Then um, Eric and Nate Bowerman, Bowerman twins, helped me out quite a bit on the car. Then girlfriend, Bobby, she puts up with the late nights of the, in the shop working on the race cars and stuff like that. And then obviously Brian Roman for all of his help and support with the modified and now with the late model. That's Joe Birch uh, coming off of a really good weekend, a 12th place finish and an 11th place finish at Tri-City and Merritt Speedway. He'll be looking to improve this weekend before the Challenge Series gets back in action on Memorial Day weekend. So, Joe, good luck. Congratulations on a really great start, and we'll look for you at the racetrack soon. Thanks. Well, Zach, a gentleman that is going to join us now, I got to call him to the finish line yesterday, which was really, really cool. Um, He was your 2019 ARCA Late Model Sportsman Silver Cup champion. Of course, last year, nothing. We know why. And his first outing in 2021 picks up the win yesterday in the late model sportsman season opener at the Toledo Speedway. He's a Buckeye from south of the border, but he's a Browns fan, so he's good in my book. Greg Stillwell Jr., welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Man, we've known each other such a long time. You've worked and worked at this racing deal with your family for many, many years. Now you're finding some success. Uh, can you point anything, point to anything that you guys are doing anything differently because it sure is working? Well, um, I think that it came down to me and dad were kind of taxed on our knowledge of the car. And, uh, you know, we had some great expectations and they, we just weren't able to achieve them just based on our lack of racing knowledge, I guess you could say. So, um, we decided to, well, to be quite frank, I was actually, to a point in my racing career where I thought, well, you know what? I don't really want to just go out there and run laps. You know, I'm, I'm a competitive guy. I want to win. And, uh, so I decided that, uh, I was not going to, I was going to give it one more chance to pursue, uh, my dream of winning a race. And, uh, I was so close to giving up, but my wonderful wife, uh, kind of gave me a kick in the butt and said that, uh, you're not going to give up on this. You love it too much. And uh, so we started to pry around a little bit and talk with some other people. And um, Brad Yunker of Yunker Motorsports is a, is a great friend of mine. And I talked to him a little bit about it. And he said, you know what? I think I got some stuff for you. And uh, let's get together and, and see if we can iron this thing out. And so um, that, I guess, long story short, he came out, gave us some uh, – tricks of the trade and taught us a few things and and here we are you know as a former racer myself and and somebody who i believe that my dad and i both we ran out of knowledge and eventually i got out of a race car and, and started doing what i'm doing now was it a hard realization for you to come to to know okay if we're going to win races we can't do this on our own anymore yeah i think it was um you know we're we're both kind of strong-headed guys uh rich which i'm sure you you know and uh so to accept help um, it was a big step for us um, and, and a humbling moment, you know, uh, especially when you're not getting the results you want. Uh, it, it turned out 
to be a great move. And uh, I'm just happy it's going to be now that uh, we were accepting of the changes. And and let's go back to yesterday. A, a very solid run in a field that was, um, I'm going to say it was an awesome field. We haven't seen a field like that at Toledo in the late model sportsman division in a very long time. And, you know, you all, you always have to, it's always in the back of your mind, even when I race there, when you're, when you're running against a Michigan motorsports hall of famer and a 14 time champion, um, you know, when you pull in the gate, it's never going to be easy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ron Allen is, uh, he's special and, uh, he's, he's got a lot of time, uh, behind the seat, a lot of experience, um, and it shows, uh, you know, the, the stats say it all. Um, so yeah, when I was looking at my rear view mirror and, and that's who I had to contend with for the win, um, it gave me a little bit more motivation. That's for sure. Um, but you know, every time I look back there, I, I, I thought kept telling me that, uh, we, we had some pretty good distance on them and, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Um, you get out, you get out front and you really don't have any problems. You're not having any problems in traffic. And, and that 29 car, that blue 29 car is getting smaller and smaller in the mirror. Uh, that had to make you feel pretty good. Uh, definitely uh, gave me a little bit more confidence there at the end where I could kind of relax and, uh, you know, just hit my marks and, and, and stay focused on the task at hand and, and bringing the win home. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely reassuring to see it, see it getting a little bit bigger gap uh, between the two of us. Now, obviously, we're talking about it, so that means that things are heating up at Toledo Speedway. This Saturday night, don't miss the future stars of NASCAR during the HERS Potato Chips 200 with the Arca Menard Series. The question, can Ty Gibbs continue his dominance in the Arca ranks, or will others like Corey Heim, Drew Dollar, and Thad Moffitt steal the top spot? Now, gates open at 3 o'clock with racing at 5 for late model sportsmen and factory stocks. And then the Hearst Potato Chips 200 is at 8 o'clock this Saturday night at Toledo Speedway. For tickets and more information, you can call the box office at 419-727-1100. And because of that, Rich, there's some changes we need to mention, too. Yeah, don't show up to Flat Rock on Saturday. It'll be an empty parking lot, let me tell you that. With Toledo <laughs> Racing on Saturday, that means the action switches to Flat Rock Speedway on a Friday night special. Don't miss the Outlaw Super Late Models figure eights and street stocks all in action. Ticket office opens at 5.30. Racing gets underway at Flat Rock on Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Now, this was a really fun entire day, and I want to get, you know, the technical side of Toledo Speedway is obviously something that we talk about a lot with Outlaws and other divisions, but I want the more uh, driver aspect side from you, Greg, and that is looking at the grandstands, all the fans back in attendance and racing in front of what a, what appeared to be virtually a full house. Um, you know, you get out of the car. How awesome was the atmosphere there for you? Uh, it was it was really, uh, really special. Um, you know, after winning that championship and winning the first race and, you know, there was there was a few doubters um, of us and uh, that, you know, if we could continue to do this or if it was a fluke win. Um, so it was really important for me to come back out in 2019 and win. And then when COVID happened, um, you know, that obviously squashed all that. And, uh, so I, I really felt like I had something to, to, uh, prove. And, uh, it was great to be able to, to do that and have that opportunity again, especially with, uh, so many people in the stands and, uh, um, 
one of the things that people were telling me is the, the burnout was pretty, uh, pretty sweet. Um, and it really got people jacked up in the stands and I contemplated not doing it. And, uh, as a matter of fact, my guys were like, don't ruin the tires, don't ruin the tires. But you know what? The heck with it. We, we, we needed to get everybody jacked up. And I feel like that was a great opportunity there at the end. You know, and it was cool for me. Like I said, uh, you know, as long as we've been friends, I got to call you to the line, which was really awesome. But, Gary was down there, and, and, and you got a little emotional. Explain uh, to the people that don't know why you got emotional down there on the main straightaway. Yeah, this uh, this past year here, my grandfather passed away, and uh, he was a pretty important person in my life, taught me a lot of things. Wouldn't be able to drive a race car without him. He taught me how to drive a stick. Um, so it was it was really uh, it just an important uh, time to just dedicate that win to him. So. Uh, I was just glad to be able to do that. So you get the monkey off your back, per se, and now you get a chance to kind of refocus, right? I mean, it can be, for those who don't understand this, it can be so daunting and so... um, It's almost like a a form of depression when you show up at the racetrack and know that you haven't gone to victory lane. Now you have. Does that change your attitude at all when you pull in the pits now? Um. I would like to say that it doesn't. Oh, I guess it really doesn't. You know, I, I feel like I'm more motivated than I've been. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a great thing. Uh, I just, uh, I, I feel like that it's, I, it was so long before I got to this point that I, I feel like that maybe I'm looked at as not belonging where I'm at. And so um, that's really been a, a motivating factor for me. Um, and at this point, I'm just kind of out trying to prove myself and prove that I do belong, and I hope that uh, the rest of the season will will showcase that. You know, and and the thought that comes to mind is the uh, the age old saying of, "Well, that was a fluke win." Um, so now I've got to imagine the goal is to make people know that that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every week, I, I can tell you, I'm I'm probably more motivated than a lot of people uh, realize. A lot of that is my competitive edge, and I know we're all competitive. We wouldn't be racing if we weren't. Um, but uh, I just I have this extra drive that uh, I just I want to go out there and kick everybody's butt. And uh, <laughs> you know, I've always felt like I could do that. I just never felt like our equipment was where it needed to be to be able to do that. So with the I guess the hiatus of of uh, getting a win being gone, um, you know, from what I hear, they're easier after the first one and. So far, I mean, I can't disagree, but um, I'm, I'm definitely not done. Now, let's talk about this field real quick. Um, you know, 15 cars showed up, and, and really, it's it's been a long time since there's been 15 cars show up in the late model sportsman division at Toledo. And I think there's probably still a couple, few more left out there that maybe aren't quite done. But when you guys run this season, um, this could be awfully fun running with that many cars. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's one of the, uh, the things that when you win, you want to have the best competition, you know, on the track. You don't want to win um, because either A, people didn't show up or somebody wrecked out or whatever the case may be. You want to definitely uh, get those wins with, you know, the cream of the crop out there. So um, having every, you know, having that many cars filling that many spots, um, it just, uh, you just have more competition and that, you know, breeds competition. So, um, it's it's really nice to uh, be able to have that, and I, I hope it continues. Uh, we didn't really wreck a whole lot of cars, so I, I think that uh, you know next week on Saturday we'll we'll have a good field again, and uh, hopefully we can get the same outcome. 
Toledo is a very challenging racetrack. We know that. Uh, it's challenging no matter what you're racing there, be it a school bus or a late model sportsman or an outlaw super late model. And, uh, you know, is that the is that home for you? Is that where people can find you this season is, is uh, competing at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways? Absolutely. Um, we've looked at some other uh, races on the calendar, and uh, we're not quite decided, I guess, on what what we want to do, but I know for sure that we're going to stay Toledo, um, definitely do the fly rock thing. And we're going to try to, uh, go out and get the overall championship this year and, uh, have the silver cup and the championship matching trophies on the, uh, on the old trophy case. Now, Greg, we've talked about your fate, you know, it's a family run operation, but, uh, there's some names on that car as well. Who all helps you out to get uh, to this point? Um, well, first, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that my wife is probably one of the most important pieces of the puzzle. She definitely uh, keeps me motivated and uh, keeps me grounded, uh, making great choices and, um, you know, just, just doing the right thing. Um, my mom and dad, obviously, my stepmom, and then uh, my crew. Uh, my crew, uh, Brad Yunker, who's helped with car, car chief uh, duties. Uh, Jeff Myers, uh, Jr., who I used to race against out there, he's also a uh, – uh, Arca truck champion. Um, he decided to help out this year. So he's, uh, crew chiefing, um, the car this year, then my spotter, Randy Randall. Um, and then my uncle, Bobby Stillwell, uh, who's also a member on the team. And then, uh, as far as sponsors go, um, we all know that's what makes everything go around. And, uh, uh, the first people I like to thank is fuse tech, uh, hot tech, ceramic welding, um, alternative plumbing, fast lane automotive, Freeze Frame Photos, Mashing Toledo, Fisher Metal and Fabrication, and of course my own personal business, uh, Blades Long Care Landscaping and Snow Removal. Well, Greg, man, what a run. Nice job to pick up the win and, and get the, as we said, monkey off your back on Sunday at Toledo. And good luck with everything that's coming up. So I hope things go well for you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And like I said, hopefully we can uh, keep this drive alive here. We've uh, seemed to have found something that hits really well and I'm hoping that uh, we're around for a little while and uh, kicking some butt out there. Maybe a few more trips to Victory Lane would be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. And who knows, maybe you'll get a big one and we'll have to bring you back on the show. That's Greg Stillwell. You can find him on Facebook and uh, check out what he's got going on at uh, Greg Stillwell 47 Racing. And so uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again soon, Greg. Nice work. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, Zach, uh, this gentleman had a little bit of a rough start to 2021, but recently... Boy, he's got his race car on point. Uh, he picked up the win at Oakshade just a couple of weeks ago. And then on Saturday, grabbed the big win in round two of the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series at Merritt. Uh, Chad Finley, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Man, Chad, first of all, congratulations. We've talked a lot early this season. Um, you know, and, and you didn't make it a secret that you weren't happy with your performance uh, at times. But, man, when things change, they can sure change in a hurry. Uh, a nice win at Oakshade, and then a great win this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, even Friday night, we really weren't that great. Um, we had the Longhorn car out. We were just kind of struggling a little bit with it. They had me a little, like, find the balance that I have to have in the car. So I decided to get my old trusty friend out for uh, Saturday, and I'm really happy I did. I mean, that thing was just spot on. Well, your trusty friend, from what I saw, uh, somehow you started 12th and drove that thing all the way to the front. Talk about that drive, because that does not happen very often at Merritt. Oh, yeah. It was tough. You know, there's 
so many good cars out there nowadays. It's so hard to win, you know. Like, you know, Dad talk about that all the time. It's like when he was racing, it was a lot easier to win back then than it is now because everybody's just so, you know, so talented, very good equipment. So uh, it was really good. Um, kind of got that outside lane going there a little bit. Um, I had found it a couple weeks before that, and I just waited for it to get a little bit uh, cleaner there. And um, once I got up there, my car started to really come on about lap 14 or 15 or so, and it just kept getting better throughout the night. I was really good there at the end. So uh, really looking forward to getting back there next weekend. Your performance on Saturday uh, was was very similar to Eric Spangler's performance Friday night at Tri-City. You were one guy who really managed to make a different line work for your race car was that the intent all day as we started to see that Merritt was going to be kind of a bottom feeder's track again? Was your goal to find a way to get out there outside of that line? Uh, I don't really think that was, I mean, actually the plan there. It, it just kind of worked out that way. Like, I I ran this car at Charlotte, and it was brand new there. And so we we decided to get it out, I don't know, Saturday morning about 10 or so, we decided to run it. And then we did decide to run it. You know, we found a couple of things wrong throughout the day so we didn't really have the car perfect or where it was supposed to be until feature time so we kept finding little buildings here and there that weren't right and, and had some problems with transmission and stuff like that so but as far as the outside i mean i think we could have you know two lanes of racing there um it's just harder for late models to do it because everybody runs the bottom and kind of makes tough you know pretty dirty there but um i was actually surprised because of one of the restarts there Dona went to the top and he kind of like showed me that there was, you know, something to be had out there. And then I think we passed, you know, uh, Stemler and Thurlby and then he went right back to the bottom. I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, it just blew my mind that he did that. So, I mean, that was a key moment in the race there for us. And, and luckily everything worked out how it did. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because when I went around the pits after the heat races, there was a general consensus of not, uh, driver's not happy with the racetrack. Now, I talked to you, and you said you were just not happy with your race car. You had some things to work on with the car. A lot of other people were talking about the track. Now, I know you won the race, so it's probably hard. Uh, you know, Fans are going to think, well, he won the race. What's his opinion matter? But what did you think about the racetrack? I mean, were you happy with the way that it was presented here for the second week? I think it, I think it can always be better, right? But, I mean, it, it's obviously only the second time we've been on that racetrack since they redid it. So... I think over time it'll get better and better. Um, I think it's kind of a learning process for everybody. Um, Black Mirror's doing a lot for everybody, just you know, just to really bring late models back here in Michigan with all these uh, higher payouts and these bigger races. So uh, I don't think you can really bash the guy too much because if it wasn't for him, you know, we wouldn't really even have anywhere to actually race. So I mean, they're doing the best they can. I, I think it's going to, you know probably get better from here on out and let me reiterate something that we said earlier in the program you advanced 11 spots david melke advanced 10 spots uh, logan arts seven ryan lanford five a pair of drivers advanced eight spots uh, another driver advances nine spots it's not like there was no passing at Merritt speedway it just took some doing to get it done it was not like slide job city or you know top and bottom groove like fans maybe are used to seeing it was more methodical passes where people had to take their time and do it calculated right I mean, I think it's a couple of things. Like when you watch the modified race, those guys are all over the racetrack. And then when you watch street socks, they're all over the racetrack. But then when all of us get out there, I think our race cars are just way closer than everybody else's. And it's just so much harder to pass. You know what I mean? Like you might be a half a tenth better than somebody else, but it's 
hard to pass because everybody is so equal. Um, and I think, I think that's where all of it comes from. I mean, I come from asphalt racing, so I'm totally used to that, you know, and it is hard to pass asphalt racing, but when everybody's so good and everybody's so talented, it just makes it harder to pass. Just that, I mean, everybody's just that much better. And, and for me, you know, I, I love Merrick, you know, since, since I started going up there and what, what was shocking to me, I've never ever heard of a racetrack that guys didn't like when they got there and the track says, okay, we're going to change it for you. Um, I've never seen that done. And from my understanding, they moved the tires up a little bit out of the bottom groove. Um, and that just changed. It seems like it just changed everything. Is that not right? I mean, I think it helped some, I don't think it was, I don't think it was, you know, like huge change. Um, I think if they want to make it a huge change, they probably should have went a little bit further. And the only problem with that is they went further than all of us would have been saying the racetrack is too narrow, kind of like, you know, everybody said in two or three years past. So I think it helped. Um, I don't think it was anything huge or nothing like that. But, I mean, really good effort to, you know, try to make the racetrack a little bit better for everybody. Now, I want to talk about a key moment in the race. And this has been kind of a little bit of a talking point. So I'm uh, this is this may be a hard question. And I know you won the race, and I really don't want to lose sight of that. But back on lap five, I believe it was, you get tangled up with Cody Bauer coming out of turn four. Um, Cody kind of hip checks you, and uh, you guys hit again. And then you end up spinning and stopping on the track, and you get your spot back. Cody goes to the tail. First off, t- walk me through from your perspective what happened in turn two. Yeah, I just, you know, he didn't give me any room. You know, um, he got in the gas really hard, and I heard him get in the gas really hard. And we made contact, and then normally you make contact with somebody, you try to get off of him. And he just did not make an effort to get off of me there. And he started pushing me out almost off the racetrack, and then spun and shut my motor off. Mm. So, I mean, I think it was the right call. Like, it, if the roles were reversed and I was Cody and he was me, it would have been my fault. But, um, obviously, it, it worked out how it did. Um, it's hard to make calls all the time. They're 100%. But um, I feel like that was I thought that was a perfect call because he did use me up. He didn't give me much room. And um, it just it seems to be, you know, there's some guys you can run side by side with for 100 laps and never touch. And there's... Some guys, you know, you just can't do that. I'm not bashing Cody or nothing like that, but when a guy is outside of you, tired to tired with you, you got to give him a lane, and, and he just really didn't do that. And I understand why, because it's so hard to pass anymore, and and there's so much money on the line. You know, everybody drives differently than what they did two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think, anyways. You know, everybody's trying to get everybody's trying to get to the front. Everybody's off themselves. So when you have that, you're going to see more things like that probably and and you kind of answered the the second part of that question is i had this discussion with a couple of other media people in our sport and we discussed the uh, fault call versus the stop on speedway call and and that you know that incident with you and cody and then you coming back to win the race really re-sparked that conversation of should we do fault calls or should we do stop on the racetrack calls as far as who goes to the tail and i guess i just want your opinion as a driver on which way you prefer to race under I think it's fault, right? Um, I stopped on our truck and my motor shut off. Um, so I think fault's the right call there. Um, but, you know, you're never going to be 100% right. You're never going to make anybody happy or everybody happy, I should say. So um, it is what it is, and, and um, we'll go on the next time. And, Chad, you know, everybody knows by now um, all the money on the line in the, in the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series this year mike's mike's thrown some extra money at it and what is unique that i've noticed in the first two events uh 
the guys that kind of dominated the events last year have yet to win a race. I think that's going to be huge for this thing going down to the wire. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, everybody has brand new race cars right now, too. So everybody's trying to figure those out as well. So and that's what you kind of look at compared to last year. A lot of guys got new cars this year. So um, maybe they're just struggling a little bit, kind of like I was with my Longhorn. You know, it just really wasn't that great. I'd be okay at times. And and times you weren't that great at all. I was just kind of holding on for dear life. So um, I think as the season goes on, I think it's going to get probably even better racing. Um, Everybody starts to figure their stuff out here a little bit more. But uh, there is a lot of money on the line, and everybody wants to win that I know of. Um, I don't think we come here for fun or or come here to run second because I don't. By any means, I'm not having fun unless I win. So um, we'll uh, see. There's a long ways to go, you know. Well, and this win from Saturday obviously is going to put you right up there in contention for the uh, Late Metal Challenge Series Championship as of right now. So you have a win under your belt. It's a new point structure now for this year than what we had last year. What do you do going forward? Uh, do you race to protect the uh, the good points that you've accumulated, or are you still going out there to try and pocket money? I think you got to try to pocket winning everything else to take care of itself. So um, it's it's going to be interesting, you know, it's just a totally different, uh, points deal and, uh, it's going to be really close. You know, you can't have a bad night, but you could probably have one bad night we had his on Friday night. So, uh, you know, Spangler had his on Saturday night, had his on Saturday night. So there's going to be other guys that are up there, you know, Jonah's going to be really tough. He always is. So probably have a bad night just because it's going to happen to everybody. So, um, I think whoever has, you know, the highest average and doesn't have any nights or, has very few bad nights to be the winning championship. It's going to be super important. This is always be, you know, that top three or four. Now, the only thing, uh, now you have, what you have to do now is make a decision because in a couple weeks, Memorial Day weekend, we'll go back at it again, Tri-City and Merritt, and you have to decide what kind of, what race cars you want to bring. Yeah, I think that decision is already made. Just I mean, everything I've seen Saturday night. So um, <laughs> I'm going to take it Friday. I'm not going to race on Saturday. We're going to take the day off. Get everything ready for next weekend. So um, I'll take it there and see if it's just as good as it was on Saturday. Um, the setup I ran on Saturday was nothing I'd ever ran before. It was kind of something I worked on with a couple of buddies here since February or so. We've been tuning on it. They've been running it down in Indiana and things like that, down in Ohio. So We've been tuning on it um, just because I haven't been in the car. Doesn't mean I haven't been working on it. So uh, it, it was really good Saturday, and, and hopefully we can keep it up. And you know, the one thing I noticed, Rich, is we didn't have to tell him to put a spring back in the trailer. We just let him do what he was going to do, and he went out there and won the race. So uh, you know, if, you, if your car's that messed up and you have to take setup tips from the horsepower happening <laughs> guys, you get a problem. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't no flat rock speedway, that's for sure. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, Chad, we know that uh, you are the, the privileged one who gets to hold the steering wheel. Who who truly makes it possible for you to have gone to victory lane these past two weeks? Yeah, we got to thank Auto Value, our family company, Northside Towing, everybody over at Airlift and XLT Engineering. Bill Steinshocks is new to us this year, and they've just been a huge help no matter what I'm driving. So, it's an honor to have those guys on with us this year. And, and uh, TNT Services is new this year. They're on the car. So, um, I mean, there's been a lot of hands that help us out this year. It's, it's been a little uh, a little harder to go racing this year. So, 
everybody's really helped us out, and I really appreciate it. That's Chad Finlay, winner of Saturday's Late Model Challenge Series race at Merritt Speedway, and he'll look to do it again coming up in a couple of weeks, Memorial Day weekend at Tri-City and Merritt once again. Uh, Chad, man, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, we've neglected uh, a pretty big thing uh, today. We need to send out a big thank you to Auto Value and uh, your local Auto Value parts stores for helping to cover, helping us cover the All Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. So, uh, thanks to Jeff Finley, Dad's uh, uh, Chad's dad, for uh, putting that together for us, and and really do want to thank all of the Michigan Auto Value parts stores, your bumper to bumper stores. Check them out. Find a store nearest you, by the way, myautovaluestore.com. It's, uh, you know, it services the difference. They get it at AutoValue, so check them out. Hey, what is going on, Rich? We've got a busy calendar coming up uh, this weekend. Well, I think if we're looking at Friday, Zach, uh, when I was looking through the schedule, a couple things stick out to me. Corrigan Oil Speedway, NorthsideTowing.net, Big 8 Super Late Model Series, presented by AutoValue. What a segue. How do you like that? That was pretty uh, good. Almost like we planned it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Round number two, 50 laps at Corrigan Oil. Of course, Phil Bozell, the winner in round number one. Grandstands open at 5 p.m. on Friday, racing at 7 p.m. Now, you'll be busy because Friday night, remember, Flat Rock Speedway makes the switch, Rich. You, I know you've got it figured out in your calendar, but other folks listening, Flat Rock on Friday. I think it should be like that all the time because of alliteration, Flat Rock on Friday. But Outlaw Super Late Models, Street Stocks, and the Figure Eights will all be in action. Gates open at 5.30, and racing now goes back to the traditional 7.30 start time Friday night. Yep. Then the other race that I that I had found on a schedule that really interests me, uh, Tri-City Motor Speedway on Friday, Great Lakes Super Sprints and Lightning Sprints, plus $3,000 to win UMP Late Models, $1,500 to win factory stocks, $600 to win four cylinders, specials for those classes. Gates open at Tri-City at 4.30, racing at 7.30. Man, there's a lot of money going to be flowing out of Auburn, Michigan on Friday night. Holy smokes, that'll that'll be a really good show. And now this one just kind of snuck in the radar uh, this afternoon. I-96 Speedway, because Tri-City is taking the night off for this division, is putting up big money for IMCA Modifieds. Now, with the right amount of cars, Rich, we'll see $2,000 to win for IMCA Modifieds Friday night at I-96. So that'll be a really good purse. By the way, speaking of the purse, it pays really well through the field as well. So uh, it's going to be a really nice show, I think, Friday night at I-96. Then we get to move to Saturday, and it gets a little more sticky. Uh at Toledo Speedway, as we talked about, the Arca Menard Series, the Hearst Potato Chips 200. Late Model Sportsman will be in action as well once again, along with the factory stocks. Uh, those two divisions uh, will kick off features at 5 p.m. Uh, the gates will open at 3.30. And then the Hearst Potato Chips 200 will see the green flag at night at 8 p.m. That's going to be a great, great event. And, uh, man, you're going to have some ARCA guys really hungry hungry for a win. I'm envying you a little bit, Rich, that you're going to get to take that one in. And I need to I need to, I need need to, to slide this in. We are probably going to have a competitor in there, uh, an interview for next week on the show. I don't want to tease who it might be, but uh, let's say he just might be up in the top couple in the points. How about that? All right, that, that'll, that'll be pretty good. Now, uh, not to be forgotten, because we do want to support these uh, series that are trying to make a comeback, Sprints on Dirt will be back in action this coming Saturday. Now, they are going back to Butler. Uh, this is not a Butler-only thing, uh, but this the first two events on their calendar are at Butler. So they are back in action this Saturday night. 
four sprints on dirt. Remember, a really good showing their first week, so it'll be intriguing to see what happens here in week number two at Butler. And then, Rich, you know, this is just a weekly show for Merritt, but weekly shows for Merritt are putting up big money, and they're doing it again on Saturday. Yep, $3,000 to win for UMP Late Models, just like they're going to do at Tri-City on Friday. Uh, Again, specials for the factory stocks, $1,500 to win. Four cylinders as well, $600 to win. Um, Boy, some money flying uh, between Tri-City and Merritt this weekend. Gates will open at 4 p.m. at Merritt on Saturday. Racing kicking off at 6.30. Hey, and you know what? That's just the tip of the iceberg. We know there's weekly racing all across the state. Crystal, uh, I believe Birch Run gets back in action this weekend as well. Um, Of course, you know, Springport will be racing. You'll have racing, as we talked about, at Flat Rock and Toledo, Thunderbird, Berlin. There's a lot of racing happening. We can't cover it all. So you've got to get out there and support local short track racing. So we don't care where you go. We'd like to see you this weekend somewhere along the way. But nonetheless, get your backside track side, and we've got to wrap things up. What a great show we had. Our thanks to Chad Finley, Joe Birch, and, of course, Greg Stilwell for making time to join us tonight. Our thanks to the drivers who caught up with us after the races over the weekend as well. So for the guy who pays the bill, Scott Menlin, for Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings, and we'll talk next Monday, same time, same place, right here. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.